Welcome to Dharma If You Dare. Today's recording comes from Doug Duncan and Catherine Poisserat's 2019 online course, Crazy Wisdom. In this talk, Doug and Catherine discuss the three lowest chakras and the energies they manifest. They look at the problems that are created in our lives when these energies are activated unconsciously, and they explain the benefits that flow when we integrate and balance them. These ideas are explained in detail in their best-selling book, Wasteland to Pure Land, Reflections on the Path to Awakening. If you'd like to explore these ideas further, you can visit planetdharma.com crazywisdom to receive a free copy of the related chapter entitled Money, Sex, and Power. And now, here's today's recording. We've been talking about crazy wisdom, but really it should be called energetic wisdom. It's like, get it moving. It's only crazy in the sense that it's outside the ego's box, at least until we integrate the forces in our psyches that represent the buried desires that makes it crazy. Repressed desires makes it seem crazy. Integrate those desires. And then those repressed desires are what constitute a kind of prison, which is what we refer to as the wasteland, right? We get all these repressed desires and then we have to spend a bunch of time repressing them and pretending we don't have them. And pretty soon we don't have any energy left and life is dull and it's bad. So typically these, typically these desires reside in the three lower chakras, the root chakra, the sexual genital center, and the solar plexus. Also known as the hara. Uh, also, you should recognize there's another repressed desire that we're not going to talk about because we're talking about it all the time, and that's the desire for awakening. Yeah, really. Maybe the most repressed. And it might be the most repressed because you know about it and there's no reason to repress it. Whereas the other three have at least societal reasons for keeping it down. Anyway, let's have a look. Okay, so chakra. let's start talking about the root chakra. So this is inside the body, up, what, a two-finger widths from the perineum? Yep. Anyhow, it's up inside the body, about two-finger widths. Two so the root chakra is about security and survival. Yeah, what's our measure and, for that? Well, funny you should ask. Therefore, I mean, nowadays, it's very much about, well, I guess it's always been about resources, yeah. right? Survival is about resources. Yeah. Security is feeling like we have access to resources. And so nowadays it, it is really kind of over-identified with money. Money. Because that's our universal yeah. symbol for value, resources and security. And therefore self-worth. I mean, a lot of people who don't have money feel that they don't have self-worth. So again, that sense of survival is also part of self-worth. We, we feel that if we have a surplus of money, then we have freedom and independence. Mm -hmm. We feel that way. I'd as, say that's a bit of a yeah. misattribution. Yep. And as teachers and guides, we often hear more about people's sex lives and their control issues than we hear about their money. And the reason for that, of course, is you can live without sex and you can live without control. You can't live, arguably, without money or its equivalent trade goods. You know, like, but again, trade goods is just another version of money. So, so this is another way of saying that money has become a very primal measure yeah and and so we exhibit very primal feelings and emotions around money and therefore it's also our issue about trust because if we don't feel we have the resources to keep ourselves alive we have trust issues so insofar as we're insecure about our ability to generate resources 
And again, remember, money is just the, the metaphor for the whole subject. Then our self-value is questioned, our self-worth is questioned, and our trust is questioned. So it's a deep issue, this root chakra. If the first shadow is blocked, we can be very overly frugal, overly conservative. We can feel depressed, like we're not able to do anything. And when it's overactive, it can be tyrannical or dogmatic. But when it's flow, it's faith. Oh, trust. Trust. When it's in flow and that thing is moving well, then you have faith. So if you have a lack of faith, you're probably insecure about your resources. Not normally the way you look at things. It's important to note here, too, that there's the way that the status quo world perceives resources and the messages around that. And we're suggesting that there are alternatives, right? That doesn't need to be the way that we perceive resources. You can be a very resourceful person and not necessarily have a lot of money and still have a healthy first chakra. Yeah. So it's kind of modern metaphor for, you know, it's a language money. Money is a language as much as English is a language or computers is a language or art is a language. Money is a kind of language. And if you don't speak the money language, then in some ways, in terms of our modern world and economy, you're a bit handicapped. Conversely, you can have a lot of money and not be very resourceful and still have a hyperactive first chakra. That's right. Second chakra. Second chakra. Is about the generative organs, so ovaries and testicles. So, right. And it's about our self-image because who we go to bed with, who we have sex with, tells us who we are, at least post-pubescence. It's also about our creativity. Mm-hmm. If we think of sex as a kind of one of the ultimate creative acts, having children. It's also ultimate why we... Ultimate creative t- act. Yes, absolutely. It's also why we have a tendency to make these things permanent. We have a real tendency to make uh, relationships permanent because our identity is we're trying to make permanent. So having a permanent relationship helps me see myself as being permanent and holding in a, in a given position. So friendships, also people hang on to their families, they hang on to their friends, they hang on to their sexual partners, right? Because it reinforces who they are in the matrix of relationships. It's about relationships in general. So what kind of people we spend time with, what kind of people we're attracted to, what kind of people we hope are attracted to us. And by extension into career and occupation and friendships and associations and groups. It's all kind of a, in a sense, you could say you have sex with everybody that you're involved with in the sense that there's an interchange and and an identity going on. So it's not just about the sexual act. Tells us who our culture is, what groups we fit into, am I alphabet, am I on one spectrum or the other? These are all ways of finding out who we are, so what identity. How we may or may not be different than our parents, different or the same, whether or not we're desirable. Right. And it's largely about getting the dose, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. So sex is your major dose deliverer of feeling good for a lot of people. Because of that, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, (laughs) endorphins, we're a bit independent. Because this happens inside you, right? You get the hit of the ecstasy or the pleasure, not the drug, ecstasy, the pleasure, right? So it makes it a little bit independent. We can self-medicate. We can self-medicate. And in a sense, meditation is very much about that, about microdosing. So it me who I'm in, who I'm in relationship with, who do I go to bed with someone, who we are, more than just the sex. 
this is why we can sometimes be defensive about our sexuality. If our sexuality is in question, whatever that means, then it, that could really threaten our sense of who we are, so, our self-image. Exactly. So like if you get rejected by a partner who you've had sex with, it's not just the loss of sex. It's the challenge to your identity that's going on. I like I'm not worthy if I don't have this partner. And this is why so many divorces yeah. get so messy. And why there's so much violence because it's a threat. The sex and the violence kind of go hand in hand because if the sex isn't working, I can get violent as an equal balancer force. And then that, because my identity is fundamentally my identity is being threatened. What, why violence and sexuality are linked, are you saying? Yeah, because they're both very <laughs> aggressive energies, right? And, and so if it gets interrupted, the positive big energy gets interrupted. It's, it becomes a big negative energy. So sex and violence, war and sex are always been very intimately right, linked. Right. So in this chakra's block, do we have poor judgment, go to bed with the wrong people? And by wrong people, we mean people who don't support our aspirations. Or, or we don't have any sex at all. Or we don't have any sex at all. And by this, we mean kind of repressed sexuality, not a conscious choice to be celibate, which can be a very rich practice. And arguably, this is why there's so much sex abuse and unwholesome or unsupportive or un integrated sexual behavior in North America. Is because why? Because this chakra is... because it's blocked. It's blocked. Just because you're having a lot of sex doesn't mean you're, that chakra is unblocked. It, it just means you may be in a state of identity need. It may be re informing who you are more than you're having great sex. Or reassuring who you are. Right. It's, it's challenging to think of kind of healthy sexual role models or, mm. you know, when's the last time I saw healthy sex on TV or in a movie or something. Right. I think the today. lights faded out at that yeah. point before. <laughs> <Yeah. I guess. laughs> okay, when this uh, second chakra is overactive, we suffer from delusions and fantasies. Oh boy, we get out there. That have very little to do with our actual situation. Good way to meet this one is going to retreat for a couple of weeks and see the sexual stories that pop into your head. They get very off the wall, don't they? Anybody been there? gone into retreats for a couple of weeks and had your sexual <laughs> fantasies go somewhere south of China. Yeah, only a few people are brave enough yeah. to nod. Good job, nodders. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nodding. Or perhaps have a lot of sex without connecting with the other person. Right. So this is maybe a, talking a bit to the millennials where you have hookups and casual sex. It's, it's kind of you, you've changed your identity from being a sexual being to being a hookup being and <laughs> and insofar as you're a hookup being, you're actually not really a sexual being. Because sexual being is about intimacy and sharing the depth, not just drop in, drop out. When it's in flow, oh, this is the best bit. Imaginative and experimental. And expansive. And uh, sexuality is a, a very rich exploration. Rich exploration. A lot of fun. Relationships and, uh, are rich explorations. Right. And the tendency, of course, is in long-term relationships is to start shutting it down in order to fit into the social cultural patterning. But if you don't do that and you keep this chakra in flow, you, have, you can have imaginative sex until you're dead. Okay, third chakra, <laughs> solar plexus. Okay, right. third chakra is a little different than the hara. The hara is at the root of the umbilical cord, so it's your fear center. But the control center is a little bit north of that, a little bit up. And, into the solar plexus, but they are connected, these two chakras. 
And this is about independence, control, and self-determination and, and power. power. So this is where we come from when we're trying to be the master or mistress of our own life. And it protects the ego illusion. The whole because thing this whole notion that I can be in control is a big ego illusion. And that's yeah. where that comes from. If I'm more in control, if I feel I'm in control or I have the power, then I'm more me. So that these three chakras feed each other. And if I'm more me, then I have a better illusion that the me is permanent and substantial rather than kind of dust in the wind, which is its real nature. So the, the me is just an illusion of, it's a composite of conditioned responses. So when we have a good understanding of that, then we know that there's really no such thing as being in control because there's not really a me to if, control things. Yeah, you can go the other way with that too. If you don't feel like there's any control, you also don't feel like there's a me. So people fight for the control so they can feel like a me, but if they don't feel there's any control, they often think they don't exist. It's a fear of annihilation, right? And since it's not really possible to be in control, I think some of us have had good experiences with that. Still, the ego works really, really hard to yeah. try to pretend it is. And the two main tools that we use for control are, are manipulation and actual control. We use manipulation and control, and, and we're all doing this all the time, one yeah. or the other or both. All day long, from the minute you get up to the minute you go to bed, you're manipulating or controlling in some fashion to fill what you want and avoid what you don't want and make the me, me. Our children and our pets are masters of manipulation and control. And we're doing this to either get what we want or to avoid getting what we don't want. And it establishes me as the ultimate judge and the ultimate authority and the ultimate master of the universe. Everything comes from what I think about it. Everything comes from what I feel about it. Everything comes from whether I agree or disagree, like or don't like. Me, 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 and more me all day long. This is especially challenging because we are trying to do this while still trying to, you know, have sex, for example, or make <laughs> friends, or have get along at work, or get a promotion, yeah. or right? Or fit in. So we get very Machiavellian about it. I assume everybody knows who Machiavelli is. If you don't, look him up. He's an Italian politician before they got devious. He was the creator of devious politicians, perhaps. So we're always manipulating and controlling to get what we want and avoid what we don't want. And it's, That's okay. That's what it is to be human. But you want to know you're doing it. Your freedom doesn't come from not manipulating and not controlling. Your freedom comes from knowing that you're doing it and doing it for purpose. That's right. Mm. And it's important to note that we may do this passively. Oh, yeah. It's not necessarily overt. And some people are incredibly good yeah. at controlling and manipulating without actually even saying anything. Yeah, we have one student. She would look at something, and three people would get up to get it for her. <laughs> she'd, like, look at the salt, and she'd kind of go, and, like, four or five people would react and reach for the salt for her. Like, she'd look at her bag to get it on an airplane, and she'd kind of go, and, like, Somebody would come and take, yeah, she was excellent. She never said anything. Anyway, the ego is also very good at hiding these mechanisms from itself. We're very good at hiding our mechanisms of control from ourselves. And this was what puts it in the shadow. So we can also feel like we're good people and we're altruistic and we're generous while still trying to run things. And, and, as, and this is okay. We're not, this yeah, is human. This is human. 
And as the Buddha said then, all things are done for the sake of self, including awakening. Because actually, awakening is the best thing that you can do for yourself, by far. Beyond any other element of comparison, awakening is the best thing you can do for yourself because it gets you through the illusion that you have to be doing everything for yourself. You're free. You don't keep up to dancing this dance so much. We see this with the uh, expression, don't tell me what to do. You ever say that? Mm -hmm. you, ever, you ever kind of go, don't tell me what to do. I'm in control of me. Mm -hmm. Well, that just proves you're not. Because if you're telling somebody else, don't tell me what to do, somebody already has told you what to do that is different than what they're telling you to do. It's very human to want to feel in control, and it's really important to point out that losing an obvious control does not necessarily mean that we've lost our independence. Who would be an example of that? Well, there's some really great examples all throughout history. So Nelson Mandela Nelson is the first Mandela, one who right. comes to mind. And there's a kind of personal mastery, of course, that kind is of, required. I suppose you could that. say Gandhi. I mean, he, he exercised resistance, which is a kind of control, but... So in this, uh, in the center of our being, in the core of our being, in the very middle of our being, we're always free. Because in the core of our being and the center of the being, there's no me. It's silent, spacious, emptiness without a me on it. The me comes after the fact. Once we move from the core of the being, the me starts to show up. A Look lot like, of Maya Angelou's poetry is about this topic. Right. When it's blocked, it shows up as... Fear and discomfort. Fear and discomfort. And when it's overactive, it shows up as critique and insensitivity. Critique and insensitivity. But when it is in flow, it is confident, confidence. helpful, and helpful, supportive. naturally supportive of other people. Anyway, as we said, we engage in all three chakras all the time. They drive our life. They drive our choices. Of course, the ego has other functions we should remember. This is not the only ego's job. It's, it's other jobs are like what? management, uh, decision-making, organizing, organizing, planning, discerning, discerning, telling uh, us to wake up, kind of discriminating in terms of like why, you know, color from yellow from red. So these things are essential for the awakening practitioners to know the following things. It's important for you to know. So this human being operating system comes with the first three chakras. Aren't we lucky? But if we want to access the upper chakras from the heart up at will, when we want to access the upper ones at will, the bottom three need to be healthy and well integrated. And in order for them to be healthy, Saturn has to be in the seat. You have to have the discipline and the effort and the applied practice to meet these three chakras where they live. And for that, you need discipline and training, and it has to be done because otherwise there's no confidence in the organism to go to the higher chakras, which are about all the things you really want, which is good communication, love, unit of experience. Right, wisdom. we talk about coming from the heart and connecting with the cosmos, and in order to do that at will, we really need to get friendly with these issues of power and control, yeah. sexuality, and survival. Truth in the throat, Security. intuitive in the forehead, wisdom at the crown, and heart at the love. Okay, so we want to point out, too, that, oh, so, so this is all shadow work. These lower mm. three chakras is, mm. is basically shadow work. And one of the many reasons that we love the shadow. So it's worth really spending some time reflecting as individuals and as a community that as Buddhism and Hinduism and, and other 
Eastern religions get more common in the West, we're still very much in the early years of, of that process. And while the impacts are profound, I think that most of us are probably not super aware that now we've got these two operating systems happening simultaneously, most of us. In, in my case, for example, I was raised Catholic and I'm now practicing Buddhism. So those are both happening and it's important that I know which one is happening when. Right. For example, Christianity, Islam, and Judaism tend to denigrate the body or see it as kind of something that has to be trained or controlled or superseded. And in Hinduism and Buddhism, the body is glorified. The body activities and what we do with our bodies is considered sacred. So from the Christian point of view, etc., the body is kind of profane. And from the Eastern point of view, the body is sacred. This is going to make a huge impact on how we feel about our body, how we relate to a body, how we interact with our bodies. What kind of education did you get about your bodies? I mean, and I don't know about you guys, but when I was in school, you know, it was like about sanitation and hygiene. That was sex ed. Well, I mean, we didn't have sex ed, actually. It was, and gym, you know, <laughs> gym. Where they taught you how to was the change your clothes without it, yeah. showing skin, right? <laughs> However, the, the important thing to remember in all these things for the, th the lower chakras and for the whole thing really is self-sovereignty. You are the only person you can change. You're in charge of it. You're responsible for your decisions. You're responsible for your growth. You're, you're responsible for your development. You're responsible for your own boundaries. And the only way to learn how to do these things well is to make mistakes. So that's just part of the deal. Yeah. And we you know, sometimes just need to say, oh, that wasn't a good choice and that hurt. And that probably sucked for the other person, too. Yeah. Once you become independent of age, your decisions are yours. You're responsible for them. And growth and unfoldment learns and grows from the decisions you've made. And you make a lot of bad ones early on in order to find out what a good one is. So if we want to be empowered people, if we want to have a healthy third chakra, be able to come from our own power, we have to take responsibility for our decisions and can't blame things going awry on other people. Uh, of course, they're involved. Of course, they may not be showing up very well, but that's their problem, right? Because we're the only ones we can do anything about. What they haven't done is their problem. What you haven't done is yours. Remember, what you don't resolve when you're 20 becomes your personality when you're 30. What you haven't resolved at 30 becomes your personality at 40. So what you don't resolve at 40 becomes your personality at 50. You get the idea? So the ball is in your court. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please rate and review Dharma If You Dare on Apple Podcasts to help more people find and benefit from these teachings. And don't forget to subscribe to get episodes and bonus content sent directly to your device. Today's episode covers ideas that Doug and Catherine explore in detail in their best-selling book, Wasteland to Pureland. The third section of the book is entitled Crazy Wisdom and covers a wide variety of topics, including the shadow, tantra, and money, sex, and power. Podcast listeners can download a free chapter from this section of the book by visiting planetdharma.com slash crazywisdom. See you next time. And may all our efforts benefit all beings.